happiness. This is something that affects us all universally. We want to be happy. Being a parent, I know myself from the personal experience of having a tiny human that that was my wish for each one of my children, that they would grow up and ultimately live happy lives. And if you're not a parent, you have parents and it's likely they shared in the universal desire of every parent, which is for their children to grow up and be happy. Parents want their children to lead fulfilling and happy lives and to have the skills and resources and tools that they need to navigate through life's challenges and to find joy and meaning in their experiences. This desire for our children's happiness may be expressed in different ways, such as wanting them to succeed in school or in a career, to find a loving relationship, settle down and have kids, or to develop strong personal values and be of utmost moral character. However, at the core of these aspirations, our desire as parents is to see our children lead happy, healthy, and fulfilling lives. So if this universal desire is for our children to be happy and for us as adults to experience happiness, why are so many people unhappy? Let's just start with what causes our unhappiness and that can vary from person to person but in the same way that universally the desire to obtain happiness is at the core of every human there are also those life events just being a human as we travel through this world that can contribute to our unhappiness Often that can be the loss of a loved one or a traumatic experience. It could be the breakup of a relationship or a marriage. It could be the loss of a job that causes stress and money worries. Lack of support. This is one that I find to be particularly dangerous. Isolation and loneliness can contribute to not only feelings of unhappiness, but it can help spiral those individuals into depression. The pressure and the tension and worry over just life, those jobs, those relationships, those finances, having unrealistic expectations for yourself or others, comparison is the thief of joy. And for those that deal with chronic pain or illnesses or even a disability, that can make it difficult to enjoy life. And pessimistic thoughts, self-criticism, focusing on the problems and the deficits rather than solutions and what is possible. All of these things are experiences that we as humans face. Ultimately, I find that the people that I work with are often questioning their happiness, the direction that their life is going, because they feel like their life is lacking in meaning. Thirteen years ago, I went on my own search for what it meant to find happiness. 
I was in an area of desperation. And it was at that time I had no reason to be unhappy. I have a supportive husband who's kind and generous and a real true life partner and helpmate. I have six beautiful children at that time that are healthy and happy, kind, beautiful people that are hardworking. And I loved what it was that I was doing in my career. I was living in my childhood home that was a dream of mine to own. And although I had all of these external evidences that I was living a great life, a fulfilled life, I had no reason to be unhappy. It was in a matter of weeks that although I knew I had so much to live for, I somehow wrestled with the thought that my lack of happiness in those moments would interfere in the happiness of others. And it seemed a rational idea that by removing myself, others would be happy. That seemed like a more rational idea than the thought of me being able to find happiness again. Now this came after the disappearance of one of my childhood friends, Darvis Lee, and he went missing in October of 2010. And it was in January that at a search and rescue, uh, we found human remains that were identified as his. And although I might have been mentally preparing for the worst, it wasn't until those following weeks after the celebration of his life that all of the color was drained from life. And I sunk into a deep, dark depression, even though on the outside I had all of these external evidences to show, hey, life is good. And I could not make sense of it. I could not snap out of it. I knew what it was to be sad. I knew that living through life, we're going to go through losses. I had even been preparing myself mentally for what everyone said would be the inevitable after weeks of not being able to locate him. And it was at that time, out of my desperation, knowing that I have all of these things to be grateful for. I have all of these things that should make me happy. I am not happy. And I desperately want to be happy. My own personal experience of this is what I'm sharing with you is different than unhappiness and I think it's important for you if you're dealing with feelings of hopelessness if you have lost interest in those things that have brought you joy in the past I think it's really important for you to seek professional help to seek out a support team and to talk to someone and thankfully I had a support team in place my husband uh, who I've already mentioned my girlfriends and my mom the people that knew me best those that were concerned and because they have a love for me were willing to just about do anything to get me out of this funk that I was in and I was also in a desperate place I knew that I did not want to feel like this I knew that there had to be some way to overcome it if I had enough information if I could educate if I could just do a checklist if I could just go through a system or a strategy and make sense of this somehow I would come out of this but it was lingering and in seeking that help it did give me some um, a, a foundation 
to, to start working on some things that might help me improve. And what's interesting about this is that although this was one of the darkest periods of my life, uh, I shared very publicly what it was that I was going through by accident, if I'm being honest. My husband and I were preparing to go to his grandmother's 100th birthday, which is 2,000 miles away in Minnesota. We were taking all six children and we were set to rent a van and do this road trip across America. Now this was concerning to my parents, it was concerning to my friends, such an ambitious adventure coming off the heels of this massive event and my inability to uh, deal with just life in general and just getting out of bed uh, for uh, a few weeks prior to this, um, it was very concerning. It was concerning to everyone. And I did not want to let anyone down. I did not want to get in the way of anyone's happiness. I did not want to be the reason that we did not make this trip that had been planned almost a year in advance. And so I looked for ways that I could reassure and communicate with my my team, my girlfriends and my mom, as I was going along this trip, that I was well. It's, it's easy to send a text message to someone and not be able to read the tone or the, the emotion behind it. But my goal was to find a video, some type of video application where I could do a check-in. And so they could see that if I said I was doing well, that I was actually doing well. If, if I was uh, having a, a hard day or if I was struggling, having that contact, that face-to-face with somebody who knew me inside and out, somebody that I could not BS, was important. And I eventually found one and it was through this application that I would check in as we started our journey across country. began sharing the day-to-day activities it was a way for me to kind of also record what it was that I was doing in a day if the day was good I could kind of go back and look and see what made that day better than another day it helped me gain a self-awareness it also gave me an outlet to share what it was that I was feeling with people that I was closest to those that I was not afraid to be vulnerable and emotional with and to share those stages of anger that seemed to linger a lot longer than any other of my stages of grief. What I learned early on and can now look back and reflect on this recording as a a way of journaling my emotions and my habits was that it was extremely effective. It helped increase my self-awareness and this is something that If you're in a space where you're questioning your happiness or you're working out how can you increase your happiness, journaling and taking account of how you're spending your time, your leisure, the company you keep, the things that you're putting into your body, both uh, nutritionally and uh, consuming as far as digitally uh, will be helpful to you. And so this is something that after a couple of days, it was easy to see that there were choices that I was making and that I could make 
that would help to contribute whether or not it was a good day or a bad day. And I could change that. I could, could take control over that and feeling out of control. That was a huge win for me. Now, it wasn't until I started receiving comments from strangers that I knew something was wrong because these videos that I were making, these very deeply personal, very transparent videos showing me at my absolute worst in my lowest were not being seen by just the three people that I had intended for them to see. They were actually going out to over 5 million people. And so at this time I can say I did not care about the eyeballs that were watching these videos. I didn't care about what anybody was going to say. I wasn't worried about being judged or the shame. I was still feeling pretty numb. I continued to share my day-to-day -day activities, and suddenly this mental health-minded community grew. People dealing with mourning, loss, and grief and trauma not only share their experiences with me, but the struggles, which encouraged me to find answers for not only myself, but others who genuinely knew what I was going through. They had experienced their own catastrophic losses and were on the other end of the screen, struggling and alone. I focused on my mental, emotional, and physical well-being, unapologetic about sharing every thing, every little thing. And I wanted to add that to the collection of data that had the possibility of curing me if I could just unlock it. I earned the moniker the honey badger by being ruthless in my response to haters, which was a waste of my time and energy. But as I was still dealing with anger, there were times that I would lash out. Now, of course, the community continued to grow because what is this girl going to say or do next? And eventually that led me to asking myself, do I continue this process and is this worth it? One, I opened myself up publicly to attacks and how is this going to affect my mental health? Two, I could continue sharing my journey with the people that are experiencing their own loss of happiness, their own grief and mourning. And with that research that I'm doing, the experiments and practices and the methods that I'm using on myself in my own life, that could possibly not only save my own life, but maybe someone else's. I decided to keep going and over time I became more structured with how I was sharing the research or the books and the classes and lectures that I was listening to. All the information I was consuming, I would turn around and share in hopes that I would be able to help one person. Now originally that one person was me and we know that there's not one definitive answer for happiness. Happiness is subjective and it can vary from one person to another, but there are key factors that experts have identified to contributing to happiness. And unbeknownst to me, that's what was happening while I was being authentic and sharing, being true to myself, while I was pursuing personal growth and learning new skills, while I was being mindful and taking care of myself, learning about self-care and what it was and how to practice it giving back, helping others, and contributing to society. 
taking care of myself physically, exercising and creating challenges that the community participated in where we lost over 500 pounds together, expressing gratitude and positive thinking, sharing gratitude on a thankful Thursday every week, finding meaningful work. I loved what it was that I was doing and it was meaningful, but in these moments where I was struggling, I found that helping others was actually helping me to help myself. And even though I didn't feel like being a part of a community, having a sense of community and a feeling of belonging is something that contributes to our happiness, positive relationships, strong and supportive relationships with friends, family, and partners are all important for happiness. And so as I continue to share in this work, this podcast is an extension of the work that started 13 years ago with that question of how do we obtain happiness? And this is just one part of a five-part series where we're going to go over and talk about those practices, those things, those statistically proven, scientifically proven methods that can help each and every one of us live a happy and fulfilled life. Now, the one thing that I did not factor in when I originally started this and what took me, I think, quite a long time to maybe progress in the way that I had hoped for As I focused on my mental, emotional, and physical well-being, I did experience a measurable change in my life. As it was publicly displayed, it was noticeable by others first and then by myself. But although I was taking these steps and consistently making good choices that would continue to build upon my well-being, I found that there was still something missing. Now, looking back, it's so obvious to me now, but my, like many people who are looking for tangible and physical answers, my focus was on the things that I could see, feel, touch, and really control. This is the reason why my spiritual well-being never even crossed my mind. I mean, I'd had my own negative experiences with religion or spiritual people. I had felt judged and I felt a pressure to conform. I knew that spiritual growth involved change, which can be really scary. And I had already gone through so many scary experiences that were uncomfortable. I was much more comfortable with the familiar patterns and habits that I just began forming. And they were working for me in my current lifestyle, but still there was something missing. realization that spiritual growth should have been the first focus rather than the last can be common for anyone who's gone through a lot of challenging experiences in life. It makes sense to me now because as I did it publicly, my friends who were once atheists or questionable about the spiritual aspects of life came to say that even a blind man could see that there was something taking place in my life, that there was something supernatural happening. And while it's easily understandable to feel hesitant or scared about the changes that spiritual growth can bring, it's important to recognize that it can offer a sense of purpose, meaning, and a fulfillment that may be missing in a habit-driven lifestyle. 
even when things are working for someone in their current patterns or habits, there may still be a sense that something's missing, a feeling of emptiness or a desire for greater connection or understanding. When we are opening ourselves up to spiritual growth, we can tap into deeper aspects of ourselves and the world around us. It's been a pleasure to have you join me on this journey of personal growth and happiness. Together, we've explored how it's possible to achieve these aspirations with the right tools and knowledge. I have shared stories and strategies for building habits that enhance our lives, and I hope to offer practical advice on topics such as mindfulness and spiritual growth. Through our journey, we have the power to make a positive impact on our world, including our children, families, and relationships, which contributes to the overall happiness of those around us. Let us continue to make the most out of every moment and discover the endless possibilities that life has to offer. Thank you for joining me and I look forward to continuing this journey of exploration together.